0: To the 573 Podcast, I'm your host, Steven Evers, and on today's episode, I am joined on the phone with Casey Smith and Tyler Jones of the Element Podcast and the Element YouTube channel. These two passionate Texans are some do-it-yourself bow hunters that are living the dream, chasing public land whitetails across the country. And on today's episode, I talk to them about their top five favorite terrain features. These guys bring a unique perspective to bow hunting whitetails. And I really enjoyed the conversation. These guys are super down to earth. Now, before we get into the episode, I just want to give The Element a plug. You guys can go follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at The Element Wild. You can also find them on all platforms where podcasts are held, as well as their website, www.TheElementWild.com. They produce a lot of great content, and if you keep up with them, you'll see that. Now, guys, I really appreciate the support and the feedback that we've been getting lately. Continue to do so. We want to tailor to our audience, and we really want to make sure that we're doing the best we can on this podcast. So keep it up, guys. I appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys listening, and uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode. We're rolling then. We have Casey Smith and Tyler Jones of the Elmen on on the line. I appreciate you guys jumping on in between hunting and traveling. Welcome to the show. Seem like y'all are having a pretty good time this morning. Uh, I think you guys found what a, a wild lemon tree or something like that. We did, yeah, yeah, we found a lemon tree. It's kind of an East Texas kind of deal. You don't see a whole lot of them, you know, but there's some around. I was I gonna found say a shed today. Yeah? Yeah, I was gonna say I never never yeah. seen a wild lemon tree uh, in the woods before, but I'm up here in Missouri, so a little different. Yeah, it kinda gets a little cold up there, I think. It? <laughs> you said you found a shed too? Oh, who says you can't find a shed in September? Oh, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looked like a it's pretty, pretty good little hole for you all. Uh, hopefully hopefully you guys get something, something uh, through there this fall. Yeah, well,
1: actually, we're real excited about that spot. It's kind
0: of a place where, uh, I don't know,
1: a couple different habitat features and terrain kind of comes together. And one of those deals where it's real hard to recognize on the map, but whenever you get in there and, you know, put some dirt on your boots, like you can really see things come together in that spot and I don't know, that in that spot in particular we kinda have it narrowed down into like a little, you know, forty yard area that we are pretty confident about shooting
0: bug in. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Um, so I did a, a small intro talking about you guys, uh, but but for those that don't know the element, can you can you guys explain who you are and what you're doing? Yeah, we uh we are pretty much
1: uh, just deer hunting however we can, just about, it's, uh, you know, just a DIY mentality more than anything, but it involves a lot of public land, because uh, it's just a blue collar thing for us. Uh, here in Texas, we don't have a lot of a lot of uh, public land access, but we got enough to get out and, and uh, compete, I guess, on, and then, you know, anything we can get as far as permission and stuff like that, we're, we're getting after it as well. We just like to... I like to hunt, I like to stomp through the woods, so whatever it takes to get out and do that, man, that's what we're doing. We've been doing it since about 2016, uh, podcasting, since uh, almost five years now, uh,
0: coming up soon. And so, uh, maybe just getting after it since
1: then and growing a YouTube channel and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's all just digital media, outdoor stuff, and me and KC
0: just basically having fun, man. Yeah, it looks like you guys are having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, that's one thing I, I really like about you guys is the fact that, you know, you guys are putting in a lot of effort and hard work on these public lands, and, and you bring a high energy. You make hunting look super fun, which, after all, that's what it's about, right? Oh, hell yeah, dude. I don't do anything that I don't have fun at for very long. It's just the way I like to live my life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I try to run these videos, too, and uh, I mean, I love hunting, and I have a lot of fun, but... The way you guys portray yourselves, uh, you guys really are just naturals when it, when in front of a camera. Like it, it, it seems like you guys really have fun, and where I'm just like looking at the camera and I'm just like blank and and trying to get words out. It's it's pretty comical. I'm not gonna lie. That means we fooled you real good.
1: Because believe me. <laughs> No, we, we just kind of do what we do, man. And if the camera's rolling, then that's good. So, you know, we don't we don't put on or nothing. It's just exactly uh, who we are to get it off or on. You know, uh, we are exactly who we are off and on camera. So we probably don't have
0: near as much going on in our heads as you think we do, though. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's probably I, for the best. I You're probably that not overthinking. That's right, dude. It just, you I tell you. Uh, the times
1: that I really try to sit back and think about what I'm going to say on camera or something, or whenever I fumble over things the most. But if I just get up there and you know just spit it out, that's whenever I can just do it. You gold. Know? Country, <laughs> gold. That's it country gold. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Yeah, but you know, honestly, whenever you're passionate about something like we all are about hunting and being outdoors, um, it is a lot easier to talk about it than. If I was trying to sell vinyl siding or something, man, it is tough to have passion, you know, and to show that. But, oh yeah. You know, when you love different stuff, it's uh, it it's it's not too hard of a conversion to just have that show on film.
0: You guys mentioned you guys started this uh, the element about five years ago. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's about right. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how it all worked out. Uh, Tyler and I
0: actually got connected uh, via. A dating website no i can't oh wow <laughs> 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 we
1: actually got connected over facebook because um my my wife and him are from the same town so uh she or i think her brother had seen a, a fly fishing film tyler had made and had said said hey y'all should get together because i also like fly fish a lot and i was living on the coast and tyler and i kind of exchanged numbers and called each other one of us did in that uh, Fish on the coast with me at some point in time, and we actually were talking about this today. We have yet to do that, but we have hunted all over the country, multiple, you know. So it's it's kind of funny how it all worked out. I moved.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny how that works sometimes where you just, you go to a party or, or something, you know, friend, friends or people through your wives, and uh, you can pretty much pick up pretty fast uh, who the outdoor folks are and not, because uh, we flock pretty close together.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right, man. You find the guy, I'm like, oh, he's got on a uh, archery hat over there. I bet you can talk to that guy. He also <laughs> yeah. happens to be by himself. <laughs> <laughs> he hates everybody at this
0: party. Absolutely, absolutely. So you guys hit the ground running about five years ago, and uh, you guys said you've been traveling and and doing some hunting in various states. Uh, I know that you know plans can change throughout the season, but what what's on the agenda this fall for you guys? So we actually have already been to Nebraska, and they have September one opener. So we went up there, hunted real hard, had a pretty tough hunt,
1: but towards the end of the hunt, Tyler just Took his brain and used his full brain capacity and figured out a spot to go set up on a buck and uh, killed a really nice buck in Nebraska. Man, he 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 had just a an awesome hunt there and uh, killed a public land buck that was like a mile from the truck and we had to go through canyons and all kinds of stuff and quarter the thing out. It was pretty 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 sweet deal. So that's already happened and then right now we're in full prep mode for south dakota which is a october one opener for non-residents on public land and uh about to leave in about a week and a half or so for that and uh that'll be a either set there i'm sorry either species tag we can kill a whitetail or a mule deer there so uh pretty excited about that coming up for early october and then what else is there uh, kansas we drew luckily drew some Kansas Tags this year, Uh, we, uh, after that, we're doing a lot of hunting on Texas, we got, Casey and I both have small properties that our houses are on that we hunt a little bit, um, and enjoy, and so we'll be doing some of that, Uh, and I drew a pretty cool uh, hunt down, way down south on the Texas coast this year that I'm pretty excited
0: about too. Sounds like you guys got a chock full schedule coming up and uh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i <laughs> yeah, bet she does <laughs> uh <laughs> by the way tyler congrats on that nebraska buck i did see that video and uh yeah i got the heart heart juices pumping because we just started here in missouri yesterday and i think you guys published that like last week or so and uh yeah no that, that's a good hunt i mean he came what to the base of your tree basically yeah, pretty
1: much. I mean, I think it's like blackout status when he starts coming in, you know, and you're trying to video and stuff, but like, uh, basically, I think he, the last time he was on video, he's at like probably 12 yards, and then from there, I was able to draw on him probably when he was like seven or eight yards out, and he, uh, he walked to about four and stopped, and I drew a bead on him. Finally, at that point, felt good about it. He started walking again, so I just uh, shot him on the
0: walk at like three yards and, and uh, hit him good. I, f- I felt like I was going to hit him good three yards, but it happened so quick you can't really see where the arrow hits, you know. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it was a, it ended up being a good shot for sure. Heck yeah! I'm not, I'm not bragging. Three shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that feeling. You know, whenever you you shoot a deer, even if you you feel like you put a good shot on him, you're always sitting there just questioning how good it really was until you get your hands on him.
1: That's, uh, that's kind of what we did. We went back to the truck and looked at uh, all the uh,
0: anatomical deer charts that we could. So. Well, uh, out of all the places you guys have been, what would you guys say your favorite state to hunt has been so far?
1: Oh, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Don't there you go. Me, uh, no, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to beat. Uh, do you mean whitetail or just in general?
0: Probably just in general, honestly. I'm just yeah, curious. Uh,
1: for me, it's hard to not say New Mexico, man. I love hunting in New Mexico. It's so different. I love that desert southwest stuff, and it's a great place to hunt elk. Um, and they're just not near as pressured down there. You know, it's hard to draw, but uh, it's that's that's probably. If there's something that I'm just like, man, I can't wait to get back there, it's New Mexico for sure. Yeah, for me, um, man, we have, uh, we've had some good memories on Texas properties, man, Casey and I over the years, and also my dad and I growing up hunted Texas a lot, so um, it'd be hard for me not to say Texas, man, just being, um, not that I've had a lot of great hunts when you look at success or big bucks or whatever, but. I've just hunted here a lot, i got a ton of memories, man, and uh, even where KC and I were today, you know, we've been a few times, and uh, it's, there's just good memories, man, so, but probably, you know, it's weird, because, like, where we went today, we were, we were joking, you know, like, if we shoot something out there, period, it's, like, big deal, you know I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, doe, spike, whatever, whatever's legal, if we shoot it, it's a big deal, it's a tough place to hunt, but, um... Which I think, needs anywhere it grows citrus, is probably not the greatest. white right. But uh, you know, it's an <laughs> like inverse function there for sure. So, uh, but you know, it's just one of those things where,
0: like, we've got some memories out there, man. It's been been fun. Yeah, no place like home.
1: That's right. Yeah, man, exactly. And you know where all the good Mexican food joints are, yep. close to the house too. You know, so it always
0: got too. a lot of burgers down here. That's right, man. <laughs> You know, it's crazy. Uh, I've been, I've done some traveling myself and just outside of hunting as well, and I've never been to Texas yet. It's just one of those that somehow I haven't been able to get to yet. I'm kind of disappointed in myself now talking to you guys. (laughs) Well, it's a nice place to be around March. Okay. Um, But that's
1: about either too cold or too hot, (laughs) most (laughs) of the other months. But no, it's really not nice down here, man. I mean, the summers are hot. And this winter, we had the stupid cold blast, you know. But overall, honestly, I was talking to Tyler today. Last year, I had some really good hunts on Texas Public in late December where I was, I mean, I was just two trees off, you know, on killing bucks. And uh, I just had some really enjoyable days because the weather was mild, which you know, it's not always that way, but, you know, it would get down to 45 at night, you know, and you're being there hunting in, you know, a nice jacket and pants and just having a good afternoon, you know, so it it is nice to come home and at least not have to fight the elements like you do whenever we go hunt up north where you're just struggling against, you know, just bitter cold and stuff like that, so it's
0: a good place to be, Yeah. You know, and mask mandates and stuff. Yeah, no kidding, that is the truth, you know, <laughs> you don't
1: have to worry about, where's that mask at when you're trying to go eat?
0: Yeah, yeah, and y'all, from what I understand, got some pretty good Mexican restaurants down there, so probably pretty good yeah. eating, too. we got, Fair
1: share. We ain't doing much Mexican. <laughs> I think Tyler and I told like we have one, two, three, four. I think four in our hometown, right? And and all four of them are definitely worth going to. They're like they're top of any I've been to. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. It's good. And we have, our town's like twelve hundred people, so <laughs> I mean it's it's like you shouldn't have that many good restaurants, you know? Yeah.
0: I'm putting in a Taco Bell right now. My wife is
1: like, oh, Taco Bell doesn't impact, you know, funny frogs or
0: gorditas. And I'm like, listen, yeah. that ain't the same clientele. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite things that you guys have been doing is uh, working with the OnX Hunt app to make these Map Scout challenge videos. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, what your goals are with that?
1: Yeah, man, so uh, the Mascot Challenge is something Tyler and I put our heads together on, I think, probably spring of 2020. And we were kind of coming up with, uh, I don't know, just some thoughts about really what would make good YouTube videos to help people. Uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, like I said earlier, we try to have fun in everything we do, so it's a good time. But we the idea originally started out, we'd have people submit like either pins or areas or states or whatever the group might be of uh, a spot that they are kind of unsure about or would like our takes on, you know, what, how we would scout it. And what we do is we, you know, look at that spot and then look at it on, on X and take whatever deductions we can from that, then go in, put boots on the ground, and uh, – kind of check our work pretty much and see what we think would be the best spot to hang a trail camera for summer data, to hang a stand to kill a deer or, you know, whatever it. it, we can kind of uh, get from the experience, right? And it's been kind of cool because it's allowed us to travel around to a lot of states and kind of sample, you know, the fair there not just the mexican food but also uh, hunting you know and the, the deer that are in the area and helped us really to learn a lot that's something tyler talks about like how much we've learned on the map scout challenge stuff um with just whenever you uh, you know how it is like when you go on a hunting trip it's a lot different than an afternoon where you get to go out right and oh, yeah. it's the same thing with scouting where like if you go out in an afternoon to scout you're kind of like speed scouting almost all the time but whenever you take a five day or seven day trip and you just dedicate yourself to just immersing yourself in whitetail sign, topographical features, and whatever else, you know, food sources, and, you know, types of trees and bushes and plants and all that, like, man, I'm not trying to say anything about my abilities, but just that immersion alone, and it's just like if you were to move to Spain, you'd learn learn Spanish pretty quick, you know. If you move to Whitetailville, you're going to learn whitetail pretty quick. So that's kind of what has happened for us on that it's really made us pretty sharp whenever we go out of state somewhere being able to quickly pick up on what hill sign and then make moves accordingly
0: oh, that's uh that makes a lot of sense and uh have you noticed that you know coming home from out of state places and you and you guys figuring things out that you look at your properties in in texas a little bit differently
1: um i don't know about that necessarily um i think that kind of like what Casey was saying is like we are more keen the more that we practice it, you know? So it's just like, you know, teams right now are playing football and they're probably not quite as sharp as they will be week 15 or whatever, you know? So, or week 12 or whatever, they're later in the season. So, um, it's kind of, it's kind of the same deal. It's like the more you practice it, uh, and we're blessed to be able to get out and do this a lot, you know? So, um, not that it makes us great or experts or even as good as we maybe should be, but we are better than we were, you know, when we do this. So like, I think that that's kind of one thing that helps us back here. Um, uh, One thing that we see um, actually translate is kind of the opposite of that, where in Texas it is, or at least where we hunt in Texas a lot, it's so difficult to find signs. There's a couple of reasons. One uh, kind of lower deer densities. Uh, two, the deer don't weigh as much as they do up in the Midwest and different parts of the country. Uh, so they don't lay down quite as much sun. Um, three, the deer just, uh, generally their, uh, attitude seems to be a little less, uh, amped up to fight and, uh, you know, make rubs and stuff like that. It's just a characteristic around here where we don't see, like I, I, I had a property I hunted last year. Had a ton of bucks on it. None of them had a broken time. Like none of them. And so wow. they're just not really fighting doing that. Kind of, it's like they know the pecking order, you know, so they don't have to fight about it. But um, what we see is, like I said, it's kind of the inverse. Where like we learn so much because it's so difficult here in Texas that when we do go to uh, Kansas or Illinois or you know uh, we're up in Ohio this summer. You know, we can pick out signs so easy and so quickly compared to what we're kinda of used to. You know, we we ran around the
0: day going, Man, that's a good trail and I I would bet you there would be so many
1: people that were like, dude, I don't have a clue what you're talking about right <laughs> now. Like, where's this trail, you know? But we have to we have to see that stuff here just, you know, because it's it's uh, if you don't you'll just walk around the woods going, I don't know what to do around here. So it's something that we've had to learn and we, we carry that out of state. I think it, it pays off for us out
0: of state more than what we find out of state paying off for us here. But there uh, is some okay. things, you know, like terrain and stuff, and, and
1: topographical lines and stuff like that that we learn out of state that help us to translate to different states a lot of times too. So you know, we would learn something like last year. We spent some time doing mascot challenge stuff in Illinois, and I think it helped us out in other states. You know, I, I actually in 2019 hunted some pretty heavy ridge stuff in Iowa and I think that that has attributed to uh, helping me in in ridge country so you know it all it all piles up together and helps you you know especially if you spend time in a lot of different
0: habitats. Well I'm glad you mentioned something about terrain features and uh, you know a little bit of mapping because we're going to talk a little bit about that so I'm doing something different with this episode uh, so we'll see how it goes you know. You know, not only have I been uh, watching your YouTube videos, but I listen to your podcast and you guys had a series called Public Pins and it inspired me to bring you guys on and talk about your top five favorite terrain features. So that's what I want to do for this episode is I want you guys to talk about your top five and just so we can make this clear from the get go, um, number five is your your least favorite and number one is, is your most favorite. All right. Yeah, well, we appreciate the clarification. Awesome. I to that to add, huh? If if you listen to their podcast, guys, you'll you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. But uh basically, you know, you can tell me what your favorite uh you know terrain feature is starting five four three two one. Describe that feature as if we're looking at it, why you like it, and the best time of the year you think to hunt it is. All right?
1: So I would imagine so better at ranking like my favorite down so can we go one two
0: three four five you know what i mean (laughs) yeah 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 we can do number one first i know that like everybody wants a big payoff at the
1: end right but in my mind i have something that jumps out at me real quick um and and, you know tyler and i this will probably do a composite five out of this because it's going to be hard to come up with like 10 total you know but you can probably get a we're pretty close on some of these, but we have a little discrepancy, I think. Um, I think that, of course, it's going to be situational in every state. But, um, you know, there's a general idea. But at the same time, say, for instance, my number one is going to be creek crossings, particularly secondary creek crossings.
0: Okay. However
1: some states that's not going to be applicable right so like you go out to a plain state you're lucky to even find a draw much less a creek much less a secondary creek right Right. that's worth doing a crossing but today we hung a trail camera over secondary creek crossing that i'm telling you is a just top notch spot right and the, the reason is in our area in a lot of the south and even some of the southern midwest probably a lot of missouri is this way you have riparian areas you know whether it's major creeks, rivers, whatever it might be, that deer are going to use somewhat like highways. They run parallel to these things in their movement patterns, heading from bed to feed, to rut around, chase those, whatever it might be. There, there will be trails that run parallel to these creeks, right? And on those, they have to cross the secondary or sometimes tertiary, depending on the situation, the, the feeder creeks right, they have to cross those feeder creeks, and most of the time, they can't just do it willy-nilly wherever they want to. There's usually going to be a flatter spot along the bank, maybe some lay-down trees, or whatever it might be that's going to, you know, meander their path to certain spots, and that's what we call a secondary creek crossing, and for me, on public land at least, that is just a top-notch spot to kill a deer because they have to cross that creek somewhere to get to point A to point B, and it's just about as good of a funnel as you can find, and at the same time, you can't pick that out on a map and just, you know, go in there and and go straight to it. You have to go in and scout it around. Uh, you know, you can find the secondary creek on a map, but you have to, you know, go in and put in a little bit of work to find the actual crossing, and I think that gives you uh, also an edge – not that I enjoy competition against people. I'd love to hunt woods if there's nobody, right? But we all know that public land, one of the beauties of it is we all get to go out there and mess around. So um, if you're looking on a map and you're finding, you know, a funnel that really sticks out, there's a good chance you go in there and there's either a guy or a stand or some tree steps or something already there. So finding these places that you can identify directly on a map are real handy. And I think that those factors kind of add up to be, you know, probably secondary creek crossings being possibly my top favorite terrain feature. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. I think there's two that kind of stick above most of them for me, and like Casey said, it's all situational, but uh, I think that if I was to have to choose something different than secondary creek crossings, and I may even choose this over this, but a hub scrape is hard to beat. It's just a perennial hub scrape uh, because... For several of the same reasons. Um, but a big reason is they are not easy to find on a map. And so um, you kinda have to you kinda have to do some stomping to find a hub scrape a lot of times and but if you can find one during the summer that is being worked during the summer, I mean, it can pay off big time. It paid off for me in Illinois last year big time. So killed a big big eight point off of one, uh, about two hours into my first days there so it was it was awesome dude i mean so i think you know i don't know um you know that i have a whole lot to add but that that would be something that would be a top one or two for me
0: probably okay and now you know without giving up too many secrets because i know you guys hunt you know these public lands so anybody can go out and find it but uh what i mean have you guys found that uh, these hub scrapes are sitting in the same areas um when you look at these maps, or is it kind of just boots on the ground and we get lucky and find them because we're in the woods so much? Well, that's, there's
1: some of that. Yeah. There's a, there's, I mean, there's a way that you could possibly target these from a map, and it would be like, uh, say you've got a fence line that runs north and south, and you've got a creek system that runs east and west, and there's beans all around in, in the ag, but this um, this fence line has trees down it, and this creek system, you know, is not being farmed because it gets steep right around the creek or it's got some kind of a buffer or whatever. So there's a place where essentially deer can move down this fence line, especially, you know, at night or whatever, across open country, and then also during the, you know through this creek system, and maybe more during the day or whatever that way, but like a place where trails intersect, and you could, you know, say, okay, I'm going to... You know, zip in there down the fence line, 300 yards, see if there's a hub scrape in there. If there is, I'm going to drop a camera on it and figure out if they're using it daytime and if there's a shooter on it. And if there is, then, you know, go
0: hunt it in October or whatever. <laughs> then you might kill a like, big brood ape. A big part of it. He
1: just being a, being a bushwhacker, <laughs> getting up in there and finding them sometimes where nobody else wants to
0: go. Yeah, it really,
1: there's a lot of spending time in the woods covering country because, I mean, quite frankly, man, we haven't just found a ton of good hub scrapes. We found a lot of scrapes. You know, you can go through the woods and find old scrapes and stuff, but when you find a hub scrape, you know it. It's a place where the dirt's still bare in July, you know, and, and there's a legit looking branch that just is always active and stuff like that. And it's not a really
0: common thing, but when you find it, man, it's gold. All right. Yeah, those are some pretty good points you guys make. So, what should we do here? Should we say KC's uh, number one was the secondary feeder creeks and Tyler's was the hub scrapes, or should we say that's one and two?
1: Let's say that's one and two because, yeah. I mean, I, we can th- get seven or eight of these things for sure. Though, yeah. You know, but, like, I don't know. I mean, as a top tier. That would probably be the easier way to say it, yeah, right? Like, like those top tier. Those are top tier spots for sure. Uh, you know, and Tyler and I, situationally, it's we might – differ a little bit on that but for the most part him and i are on the same page of those being like big time spots
0: mm-hmm. okay all right and, and then, uh, when's like, the best at, time of the year to hunt those feeder creeks do you think uh,
1: of course the rut is never a bad time to be in the woods and it's that's kind of a cop-out answer honestly on, on almost any terrain feature like well in the rut well it's because deer are moving right but i think that it, here in texas later in the season is a good time to be doing that? Like, um, it's weird to say rut here because really pretty much about mid November
0: on deer are actively searching and have
1: does on their mind. So, you know, even in the late December and January, you have bucks that are, you know, they're, they're doing some rut activity. However, you know, just in mid December on, it's a little bit more relaxed, but what you find is that later in the year like that, you can really find, if you look hard, the trails that are active and the ones to use because there's a lot of leaf litter on the ground. A lot of times we have a little bit of moisture by that point in the year. And you can – because you go in there – I'm going in there right now today. Like a trail is just a place where it's a tiny part in the grass. And you're like, okay, that's where deer are going. You know? But late in the year it's a lot different. So I would say feeder creek crossings um, – you know, later in the season is probably yeah. not a bad. And you're moving a lot of times to food sources yeah. that are further away. Right now, early yeah, season, yeah, because basically because the the cover has all fallen. And it's so bare bones. Like these does may not be able to tr- like bed as close to this food source as they would like to because mm-hmm. there's just no cover there. So they go through these big cedar elm flats or whatever and cross a secondary creek. You know, a half mile away. So. Like Casey said, you pair that with a food source in the late season, and you know, put some, uh, put yourself between that and some thicker greenbrier, you
0: know, patches or whatever, and you could definitely end up with a, a good spot. Oh, interesting, interesting. Those are those are some unique uh, features that you guys bring up, and you know, I think people are probably. One, scratching their head and they're thinking, "Oh, you know, when are you going to start talking about saddles? When are you going to start talking about pinch points?" But I think <laughs> I like your perspective because, you know, it's it's not something that is commonly talked about and here you guys are talking about having a lot of success from them. So um it's, it's not just the same old same. Yeah,
1: thanks man. Yeah, that's it's worked out pretty good for us. And I mean, of course there's other things too and and don't get me wrong, saddles are something that you can hunt and probably have some success in i just haven't done a ton of it because it's it's kind of a unique feature that's that's pretty particular to country that has you know quite a bit of elevation And, and quite frankly there's a whole lot of this you know country that doesn't have the elevation to really produce such a thing uh and today it was interesting We uh, set cameras on a couple other spots, and I don't know really where I'd rank this stuff, but the particular spot looked really, really awesome. We uh, hung a camera in a spot that you could say we were hunting, or we were just going in and hunting on a, or intending to hunt on a traditional pinch, but it's one you still have to go in, and scout and kind of confirm what you see on the map it was a spot where there's a major creek system and what we would call a ridge which is like probably 15 foot of elevation kind of crashes in real close to that creek in one particular spot so you end up having deer that get pinched down pretty close between the creek and this ridge which also is a change in uh flora as well like that creek bottom has a whole bunch of just you know kind of what people would probably call trash trees you know which are like texas ash board art stuff like that little hackberries yeah and then up on the ridge there'd be um, oak trees and some other stuff like that and just really more ground level vegetation as well so that ridge not only is a terrain feature but it's a habitat feature as well because it's it's not as easy for the deer to move through all oh, there's you know Eastern red cedar and stuff like that up there, too. So um, it really creates a boundary of sorts. Even though you can't really see that on the map, it is when you get in there. Deer just are not crossing over it. So it really pinches deer down into, you know, a 15, 20-yard spot there on the on the edge of the creek. So um, I don't know if I could say that is a top feature because it's so unique to what's going on. And a lot of the stuff that we hunt, it's not a one particular feature that leads us to that. It's, it's adding a bunch of stuff up. And, and actually, if we want to say what feature this is, it's something that we kind of coined, and it's kind of dumb, but that's the way we roll. Uh, it, we call it a DMA, which is a deer movement area, because it's not like, oh, here's the saddle. You know, it's, it's like this is a bunch of different factors that make this spot good. But I can't tell you which one is super important. To and that place right there, I guess you really would call it a DMA because it has a couple things going for it, and not just one of those things wouldn't make it good. But whenever you add all that up,
0: it makes a really great beer movement area. Now you're speaking my language because that that's how I when you simplify it like that, man, just makes it a lot easier for guys trying to learn this stuff and. uh You know, I I imagine that these deer movement areas, you don't really get the best knowledge until you're actually hunting them in different parts of the year. Shoot, man. The first
1: time that we ever kind of discovered this thing, we didn't even know that's what we were sitting in until we started sitting there in the tree stand, and we were like, man, why is this place so good? (laughs) You know, we were hunting it because uh, I just hung a trail camera on an open spot and just like had a really good trail camera pull, and this has been years back. And uh, it's actually where I shot at that big public land bucket in 2016. And um, then we're sitting in the tree stands, probably late morning, and Tyler and I are talking back and forth, like, man, why are there so many? Why do we have so many good encounters here? And it's just, we can add up like five or six different factors in that spot that total all up to make a really good spot. You know, it's not like a hub scrape where it's just like, oh, this is why you know, but it's a spot where there's a little bit of a rise and an open area and there's a, a, you know, a hard boundary on one side and then there's some thick stuff over here that are bedding and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to be a little comprehensive, you know, you have to kind of add things up to make it what it is and I, I think that, uh, quite honestly, if you're able to do that as a hunter, you can come up with some, some things that, um, uh, maybe you can't just look at a map and tell, or you can't just go in and scout and look for rubs and scrapes and tell.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're talking habitat diversity and different type of terrain features all kind of being in the same area, and then that's what makes it a deer movement area. Yeah. It
1: sounds dumb whenever you're just... Look, you know, you just read deer move in the area. You know, okay, deer move through there, big <laughs> deal, you know. But yeah. but if you do break down and, and, and uh, you know, total up the attributing factors, it's more than just like a spot where deer go. You know, it, there really are reasons behind it.
0: Yep. So yep.
1: if you weren't all that number three, would you be comfortable with that being kind of around the number three? I probably wouldn't put that in my top it, Would you not? Okay. All right. What would you number three? Are, DMAs are handy to know about, but I don't feel like I would hunt DMAs very, very much unless I just was, you know, like the TL thing that we do. Like, it's just like there's a lot of deer right there. Uh-huh. and But, like, I, where we went today, I would hunt where we went today if I was going to hunt there again. You know what I mean? Because it's just an easier, it's easier to kill them with a bow. DMA, uh-huh. the, the issue with a DMA is, like, Unless you spend some time in there, you may never really truly figure figure out where you need to be hunting if you're a bow hunter. You know, you can you can cover a lot of DMAs with a with a gun, you know, because they're a hundred yards wide or whatever through that area. But like, there's a lot of times when we discover that that we don't get shot. That's really. yeah, true. That's so you know, a good point. It's tough. It's cold, to <laughs> dude. It sure. Yeah. So, what would your next one be? Probably creek horns. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I like creek horns a lot. So what's uh, essentially, I think a lot of guys call them oxbows or whatever. Or crit but, corns, or depending horns. on where you're at. You call
0: them creeks or creeks? Us up here, you get a variety. Yeah. its It's one or the other. Yeah. I figured. It. Crossroads of America. <laughs> Crossroads of America. Crossroads of Missouri, man. You get the mix of all the, the uh, lingo. Yeah. No, I, I like
1: right. a, I like the creek. A lot of guys talk about the ox and stuff, and, and they've heard different guys talk about them as well. But they're, they're, a lot of times, they're referring to the inside of that thing, and they're usually talking about bedding and stuff. But we, we see them more as like uh, a way to kind of pinch down the deer movement that Casey was referring to earlier on a creek system where they use they use that uh, creek system as you know parallel um, you know highway essentially. So, say the creek system, these east and west you got deer that are moving up and down this big, long creek system or river system east and west, and then all of a sudden uh, the terrain gets pretty flat, and that creek starts to wind a little bit, and one of those lines of the creek juts way out to the south, and it causes deer that are moving along that creek system to have to go around that thing. So it pushes deer, say deer that are on the south side of that creek moving 100 yards and then deer that are moving 20 yards, you know, there's an 80-yard difference. But if this creek horn sticks out 60 yards, you could put all those deer within a 20-yard spot, you know, whatever. And that gives you an opportunity as a bow hunter to kill a deer right there. Yeah, And right. to blow your wind, you know, right back into the creek, um, slash, on a uh, very still day, you've got this thermal of the creek working down, working, you know, straight down into the creek if you're sitting on it. Yeah, right against the edge of it, and it's it's sucking your all your wind, all your scent down into the creek, and
0: keeping it right there in, in the creek along the water. You're almost feeling bulletproof. Yeah, that's a good one. And yeah. a different I mean, perspective on how to use it. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's I mean that's kind of part of it. And I don't know if like I don't know if our different perspective is uh, something we've had to adapt to elude or to not elude, but to escape. You know,
0: hunt right next to other hunters, or if it's just something that we've seen because we hunt in citrus country. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm gonna try all these methods, and then I'm not gonna have any lemon trees out there, and uh, just ain't gonna see anything. That's what's gonna happen. I'm calling it. We saw a rub on that was pretty cool. You know, that doesn't happen everywhere,
1: it's <laughs> kind of a neat spot.
0: Yeah, it seems like it would be. I, I think hunting Texas would be pretty cool. Yeah, man, it's, it's 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 pretty nice, it is. If you can
1: find a, a decent public spot, there's not a bunch of them, but you can find some. And there's a lot of private you can get on, too, if you just care to, to pay the money. Yeah, you,
0: know? <laughs> you got it, man. It's, it could be real cool on private. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I tend to kind of save my money for other things, so i I'll probably just stick to the public grounds. Missouri's
1: got a whole bunch of it, you know, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. we're pretty well, spoiled yeah.
0: in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lots of big deer, man yep yep uh all right so when when would you say your favorite time to hunt those creek horns are
1: uh same deal normally you know um anytime the rut starts to pick up all the way to the end of season if you're pairing that with um uh, um you know food, a food source then it works well um you know, I don't know that I've used it a ton for early season that I can think of, um, but I know that like once the rut hits, always kind of the same thing as that secondary creek crossing. You know, it's a it's a spot to um, put you within bow range of deer that are moving up and down a creek system. So yeah, you kind of want them to be moving. You don't want it to be hot, really, because then you're you got to be on top of them to see them before dark or
0: whatever. Okay. All right. All right. We're up to number four now. Casey, you want to take this one? Uh, so,
1: it's kind of hard for me to place it, but something I'm thinking about right now just because we haven't given you anything for earlier seasons. Um, not really early season, but for us, you know, October opener, a lot of times we're just getting out of dodge because hunting – in texas in october is pretty tough it's really hot and you end up in a situation where your morning hunts are some of your better hunts because it's just cooler for longer but at the same time morning hunts aren't all that good because it's you know it's kind of the morning it's kind of tough to make it happen early season because a lot of times the deer are already back in their beds but you get more movement then so Anyways, what I'm I'm trying to say is we end up going elsewhere. Like, this year we're going to be in South Dakota for early October. And a thing that worked really good for us last year in South Dakota that I I really like in certain scenarios is what you would call food source staging. So, last year in South Dakota, Tyler and I went, we mass-scouted a place, found a killer spot that we were super stoked about that had quite a bit of ag around that you could hunt with public land in very close proximity However, we showed up, and the wind didn't cooperate for pretty much five days straight. I think, was it day five or day six that we were able um, to It was hunt. day five of being in South Dakota. Okay, so the day five of our hunt, every day day four of the season, and um, we finally got the wind that we needed to go in and move in on some cover that was what you would call food source staging. So it wasn't truly bedding. You know, you were a little bit closer. You might have been fringing on, like, some what you would call the bedding area. But Tyler and I both hunted an area uh, that was catching pretty much deer in transition from bed to feed. But it was a spot where deer would, you know, what we'd say lollygag, you know, they would stage up. And because they've had a long day, they're ready to get up, stretch their legs, move around, maybe browse around a little bit. But they're thinking about those ag fields that they're going to go hit, you know, at dark but they still are on their feet doing things before that. And I think that that is a big one. You know, if we're looking for something to talk about that's not, you know, the rut or later, that's a big one for me because, you know, pre-rut, man, what what else does a deer have to do except for eat and sleep, right? And it's pretty hard to shoot them sleeping because it's hard to get that close. So, you know, capitalizing on their need to feed. Uh, not to be cheesy, but <laughs> came out that way. You know, is is a big deal. And and on that hunt, Tyler and I both ended up shooting bucks the same night. So it's a, uh, um, you know, uh, it's very effective when you get the right wind. And I think that's a big consideration for that is is you have to have the wind right. And that day actually it set up perfect. Tyler and I love this. We both talk about this. A day when the wind switches midday. Oh, you got them because they went in. Set up their bed because they don't—they don't have the benefit of the weatherman, and we hardly do either. because They usually <laughs> are wrong, but if they're right, you know the deer go in, stay with a north wind, and then the wind switches, and it's a southeast for the afternoon. Right? If they are set up and wanting to go to one particular food source, they almost have to do something where they have the wind at their tail, and that's what was happening that day, at least. And it was just—it was money, man, because of that wind switch midday. The wind was right, or you can do the just off wind thing, which works. But at the same time, you know, if you're not, on, especially on an out of state trip, if you don't know for sure where they're betting, but you just have a general idea, they definitely could come in in a spot that you don't really expect them to, and uh, you know, end up getting winded. But in that case, you know, second, or I'm sorry, food source staging was just, it was money.
0: Yeah, that wind switch is definitely deadly, and uh, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll see guys um, out there who just hunt the field edges. I think this staging area that you guys are talking about is definitely, uh, you know, on a new way that people are starting to kind of figure out a little bit. And because these mature deer, if, if that's what you're after, you know, they're, they're going to hold up until dark most of the time. So I, I agree with, with number four for sure for you, Casey, that's a good one. Yeah,
1: that was, uh- yeah, I, I, I got to shoot a mature deer that, or, you know, I don't know, because actually, if you watch our YouTube videos, the full story is I didn't recover the deer. I actually had a deflection and uh, got, like, little to no penetration uh, on the buck and saw him the next day up fine when we were trying to go back him, you know, found no blood. Kind of a sad deal, especially for me. I was kicking myself real hard because he was a big buck, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, still, you know, it was, it was late in the day. When I shot, I had—I really didn't realize how late it was until I go back and look at footage, and it's like this is like ten minutes from the end of shoot line. But you know, in the moment, I guess I was just so zoned in. I—I I didn't think about what time of day. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I like to do more stage stuff yeah. too. I mean, I bet you, I bet you seventy percent of the time or more, I am considering destination food my game plan somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a—that's a very important thing to talk about is that the food. Yeah, the food source. Because uh, especially you go to a you go to a, a new place out of state or whatever, and you've never been there before. You 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 know when you look at the way a deer moves throughout its day, it's moving from bed to feed and then back in the morning from feed to bed. But if you don't know where the bedding is because you can't, um, you know, you haven't been able to pre-scout it other than on a map. You know, the one thing you can figure out in that equation is where is the food. And so a lot of times you can you can do an observation set or uh, just assume where bedding might be and make pretty good guesses uh, at that point. But you do know where the destination food is because you can see that on the map and, in, and with your eyes once you get there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess if you have found the food sources going in there in the morning and just observing like you had mentioned – them going back into the woods, their direction of travel kinda of give you a little bit better idea of of where they're coming from. Yeah, definitely, man. So, uh, number five. Number five. <laughs> what do you got uh, for us?
1: Man, I'll tell you one thing that I liked. Um, and you gotta you know you gotta check your rules and stuff in your state to make sure that this is uh illegal and also just to, for recovery purposes and stuff but i like fence crossings a lot um the you know the one thing that a fence gives you is an edge almost always and so like deer we know that deer love edges um, but a lot of times those fences haven't been cleared in a while they've got trees growing up on them and it creates an edge of some sort whether it's trees against pasture or big trees against little trees there's some kind of edge that's a visual edge that deer can see and when you can find a tree that has fallen fence um, somebody an old public land hunter before you might have twisted the fence and made a low spot um, or maybe cows tore it down at one point or whatever it might be but if you can find you know a place where they're crossing um, and sometimes that's just uh, also, a washout underneath the fence or something, you know, that is just, you know, they're, they're just that where they, that's where they want to go or whatever. So, but you find a fence crossing, man, and if you can hunt, you know, like a lot of times on some of these properties that we hunt um, in Texas, well, anywhere, I mean, especially you got core of engineer property all over the place. Um, a lot of times it's got old fences on it that are within the boundaries of public. So, like, for instance, the other side of that fence is also public. And that sets up really nicely um, so that if you do shoot a deer at that fence crossing, he's not running on the private. And then, you know, you have to really worry about your rules, regulations, calls, and everything else. So, uh, but I do look just the fence crossing for uh, finding a way to target deer um, with a bow, especially.
0: Okay. Now, out of curiosity, say you're, you know, walking along the fence and you see about three fence crossings 20 30 yards apart are you are you going to set up right there um, where you can shoot all three or are you gonna try to move on to where you find one sole fence crossing um, to maybe get a better established pattern how would you uh, um, maybe that how would you do that scenario
1: yeah I mean you're gonna try to shoot shoot all those fence crossings in my opinion i we talked about this with secondary creeks as well uh creek crossings um and all all sorts of different things that we found you know we actually found three creek crossings today that were how far apart were those all together 55 yards yards. I mean so you can't really shoot it all from one tree so like uh you know you've got to kind of pick pick something but I, I, I would say like if you got three crossings and you can shoot two of them. You can find a way to shoot at least two of them. That's a good thing. And I, I wouldn't be afraid to put yourself on the upwind side of one or two of those crossings, too. Um, especially if it's like the rut. To uh, have, you know, you may have a deer, a buck cruising, and you just shoot him before he gets to your wind. You know what I mean? You got, you got to do that. And then there's also the chance where a deer's, you know, bucks chasing a doe. Well. Though a lot of times so freaked out during the run that she'll run right through your wind, you know, with a butt behind her and you'll still get that shot, you know. So, uh, but there are, you know, times when you're going to get busted too and you're not going to like it. But uh, I would rather shoot both trails uh, or two out of three or three out of three as opposed to just being able to shoot one in most situations. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't set up that way, though.
0: Okay. All right. And then, uh, Tyler, is that, is that your number five as well? That, I mean, that's
1: probably, you know, we're probably both number five right
0: in there. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. <laughs> Their top five uh, spots that they would key in on. I mean, it seems like you guys like to, to hunt the rut, but who doesn't? You know what I mean? It. Um, you said that yeah. the Texas rut lasts a lot longer, so I can imagine why you guys would be focusing on – those kind of locations make sense. Yeah, exactly.
1: Sense. They just get, you get a lot of deer moving and there's just not very much food around, you know, so deer don't end up living, you know, 400 yards from where they're eating a lot of times, at least in Texas, where we hunt. So you, you do get deer that are moving back and forth even whenever they don't, they're not chasing those around. They're still on the move trying to hustle up something to eat, you know, whether that's, uh corn feeder on some guy's property it's off the public or that's you know uh, open field at night or whatever it might be you're still getting uh, you know a good bit of movement and i think still no matter where you're at a lot of that stuff's going to apply uh, you know out of, there's really just two ways to hunt deer there's bed to feed and there's rut movement and that's pretty much it right because deer the rules of survival are Well, I guess there's third, because they need a place to to bed. So, I guess there's three ways. You can hunt bedding, you can hunt bed feed, which is still kind of hunting bedding, but and then there's, you know, rut movement. So, uh, no matter what time of year, you're going to capitalize on one of those things. And uh, honestly, you know, we didn't mention bedding, either of us, because it's not a thing. It's not a thing where we live. I mean, of course, they, they do bed down somewhere, but... It's so random and variable. You're not going to catch a buck on a particular bed, and you're not going to find a habitat feature that the deer are always going to be bedding on. You know, like a a north-facing slope at the Military Crest, you know, it's just not a thing that happens around here. You know, this buck might be bedding up in this patch sumac on a Tuesday on a west wind, and then the next day, Thursday, or whatever it is, it's another west wind, and he's over here in these cedars, you know, and it just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no way in there's no reason to try to pattern that. Whenever you can pattern some, some like very concrete aspects. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean, and i I appreciate your guys's perspective because you know a hot topic in the outdoor and hunting world right now is buck bedding and how do we get close to it? How do we find it? And you know, you guys are bringing a new perspective, and that's why I, I really like you guys is because you guys are thinking outside the box, and, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you guys make it look super fun when you're doing it, so, you know, I I appreciate you guys being the guinea pigs, I guess you could say, for this uh, this new way I'm doing the, the episode, but you guys handled it well, you had some kick-ass answers, and uh, I, I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> Thanks, dude, we appreciate the opportunity to come on and do some
1: talking, man, like I said, talking deer is about as fun as it gets outside of shooting deer, you know, so, Especially this time of year, we love just hyping about this stuff, dude, because, I mean, where you're at, season is here, you know, it's season for everybody else, it's on the horizon, so it's, it's time to rock and roll.
0: Oh yeah, people are itching, people are itching, and you know, I am too, not gonna lie, I'm I'm sitting out here thinking what I'm gonna do after we get off the podcast, if I'm gonna go hunting this afternoon, or if I'm gonna do a little scout session, or what, but it's it's here, and uh, you know, I, I love talking whitetails, you know. When I'm hosting the episodes, I, I usually get caught up in the moment and I don't really get to collect my thoughts and, uh, and really learn, but I guarantee when I re-listen to this episode that I'm going to learn a lot because there was a lot of good info in this episode.
1: Awesome, dude. Well, it's, it's been a good time, dude, and uh, I hope that you uh, can take some of the stuff that we talked about and learn from each other and slack a giant this year.
0: Heck yeah, and if I do, I'll let you know. I appreciate y'all coming on. <laughs> I really do. We'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up because I know you guys you got a lot of stuff going on. Sounds good, man. Thanks. All right, well, folks, if you made it this far, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you on the next one.